Welcome to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast, hosted by Andy Baldacci. Each week, Andy interviews a successful agency owner who shares their proven strategies to help you build and grow your agency. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to episode number 54 of Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Baldacci, and today I'm talking with Peter Levitan about how to develop skills a client cannot ignore. Peter has owned his own two-office agency. He's bought and sold three agencies. He worked for the largest agency in the world in New York and London. He wrote the book, Buy This Book, Win More Pitches. Honestly, the list goes on and on and on. Peter knows his stuff. When talking to agency owner, Peter estimates that 80% of them don't actually have a real written down business plan, which is an absolutely fatal mistake. In today's talk, Peter explains why a business plan is so important, how to develop one, and how to use that plan to develop skills that clients can't ignore. Referrals are great, but if that's all you rely on for new clients and you're not sure how to grow beyond that, then this is the episode for you. So without further ado, here's Peter. Peter, thanks so much for coming on the show today. My pleasure. All right, so let's just get right into it. In your experience of working with countless agencies, what do you see as wrong with the way they commonly are approaching business development? Well, I usually start asking agencies a very, very simple question, which, well, I'll admit, sounds simple, and uh, the answer generally isn't quite as simple as, as it should be. But I ask them a question, do you have a business plan? A business plan is really something that frankly, any business, whether you're a florist or a dry cleaner, a email service company, or a small digital agency should have. And what that really means to me and what it says is ultimately that you know how you're going to make money. You know who you're going to make money from. You know what you're going to do for them that will get them to want you to uh, work for them. You'll um, wind up with a client that hopefully is a repeat client, it's just not a one-time project client. Ultimately, that comes down to really understanding what your business is and tailoring it to the needs of the market. I would say in 80% of the cases, uh, an agency will tell me they don't have a business plan. So that, so then the next question, of course, is, well, do you, know, do you have a sales plan, a business development plan? And the answer is, again, about 80% might say no. And I, I don't see any way that you can have a business development plan unless you have a business plan in the first place, unless you understand uh, where the money is going to come from, how you're going to get to having a high margin, how you're going to make enough money to make yourself happy. Because at the end of the day, while it might be fun to be a digital agency, mm-hmm. it's, believe me, much more fun to have money in the bank. For sure. And it's funny. I like the way you've, you've said that because a lot of times we, we break things down into kind of independent little silos and you're like, all right, I need to do my sales plan. I need to do this. I need to do that. But if you don't have that kind of overarching business plan, it's really hard, if not impossible, to actually create the sales plan. Absolutely. I mean, look at any very successful business and uh, really ask yourself if you can suss out their business plan. And in most cases, you can probably do that. Um, but its uh, I will say it is difficult in the digital agency space, even in the general advertising agency space. I have no idea, frankly, today what a WPP or an Omnicom has as a business plan. It's, it's very hard to suss out. But the bottom line is without a business plan, you can't develop a business uh, development plan because the business development plan 
is the tool that you're going to use to meet the objectives of the business plan. One of the things that when talking to dozens and dozens of agency owners that I've seen is that so many of them have a very common story for how they got started. And it's they they have the skill that they practice. It's either their designer, developer, whatever it is. And then they do it. They go out on their own. They don't want to have a job. They go out on their own. They find some clients. Word of mouth starts building. And then a few years later, they look around. They've hired five people. And they almost became accidental agency owners. And they just sort of assume they can keep doing this without really having that much direction. But oftentimes, they find first that they're putting out fires all day. But second, that is really hard to avoid that common feast or famine path because there aren't any levers they can pull to, to make things change. So when you see an agency owner in a position like that without a clear direction, how do you suggest that they sort of get started on getting a little more clarity in what it is that they do? Well, there are really two things that, that impact uh, agencies. One is what they do or, or essentially what they're good at. And then the other is what is the market need? And, uh, you know, I'd love to think that in all cases, there's a, a wonderful point where they both meet, but that's not the case. Uh, and uh, certainly in the digital space, we, we see such rapid change that digital agencies have to have to really pay attention to what's going on in the marketplace. Um, I think that uh, starting, obviously an agency has to start with what they're good at and what their skill sets are, um, but they should really be prepared to morph them to meet the needs of the marketplace. And when you meet the needs of the marketplace, I mean, this is capitalism at work, uh, you will get business. Uh, that's really the bottom line. Now, another element of that, of course, is, uh, you know, how much competition is there? I mean, you just look at the SEO space and, uh, you know, at this stage of the game, everybody tells you they're an SEO specialist. Um, the bottom line is that's not the case. Um, so if you are an SEO specialist, you just have to make sure that you know how to talk about your skills in a way that makes you sound like you're better than the guy down the street. And that's ultimately what that business development plan does. Interesting. And so looking at, at your website and looking at the way you position yourself, let me bring it right up. You say, I help advertising agencies grow fast. Like that's a very concise, clear to the point definition of what it is that you do. You're not saying I help I'm trying to even think of like the cliche agency terms, consultant terms that you see up there. But when you look at your site, you know what you do. How much of that sort of specialization is do you see as being part of creating a strong business plan? Well, if an agency can be specialized and can really have a very easy to say and be understood pitch, uh, that's all the better. I, 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 I use a couple of examples. Um, both happen to come out of London, which is interesting. I just think that London is, in general, uh, an epicenter of a very savvy strategic agency. So I'll use two examples. Uh, I was sitting, I went to Advertising Week a couple of years ago. I was writing for them at the time, which when I say that, I mean, I was guest posting, which is something that a lot of agencies should think about. Um, but I was guest posting for Advertising Agency, and they invited me to the conference. And I went to a bar after one of the sessions and I sat down in the bar and I needed the guy next to me to move two seats down so my friend could sit next to me. And I turned to him and I said, do you mind moving? He said, not at all. It had an English accent. And I, and I said, well, who are you? And he said, I run this agency called Fetch in uh, London. And uh, I said, well, what do you guys do? And he said, we're a mobile specialist. And I, I went, wow, isn't that great? Here's a guy who, I, let me count the words. I am, we are a mobile specialist, five words, mobile specialist. I got it in a, in a millisecond. There's a, absolutely no issue. Um, so 
that's that worked very well. And frankly, being a mobile specialist, and I met him four years ago, three, four years ago, was was not a sp- bad space to be in, right? Smart business plan. We're gonna we're gonna nail mobile. Well, gee, gee, guess what? Um, everybody has to nail mobile, so that's good. Um, another agency, a great name, uh, fabulous that they own this name. They're called London Advertising. Ooh, that's and, probably good for uh, SEO I, too. He is very good. <laughs> and London, which is continuously named as the best agency in the UK by various publications, uh, is run by an old Sachin Sachi colleague of mine. And if you go to their website, and I urge everyone to do this, it's called London Advertising. It is a very simple website, and they make one very strong point, and they win business this way. They create a single idea that can be run anywhere in the world. And their target market are multinational advertisers. So they're competing with giant agencies. And what they're saying to giant agencies is you don't need all of this stuff that you get from Ogilvy. Just hire us. And and clients get it. So uh, those are two examples of agencies uh, in, and do it different ways. One says I'm a mobile agency and the other says we're a strategic agency. Uh, but both deliver a single-minded business proposition. Is the goal of that to get the client to say, sort of raise their hand and say, like, all right, you have what I need? Well, I think the goal of it is not to conf- – uh, well, there are multiple goals. One is uh, I've determined in the marketplace that there's a need. The need is called mobile marketing. And so I'm going to tell a segment of the, of the population that can become client of mine, this is what I specialize in. Um, so in the case of a digital agency, nothing wrong with saying I'm a search engine optimization specialist. I mean, we all we all get it. Uh, so that's fine. But when you start getting into sort of general ideas like I'm a digital agency, clients go, okay, well, what does that really mean? I mean, uh, huh? I don't get it. Or I'm a full service agency. Um, so agencies that specialize in a skill set like mobile or um, being strategic or being creative or in a region, you can specialize in your city uh, or your region. Uh, you can specialize in a type of client category. Say, I specialize in healthcare. Uh, those agencies tend to be more successful. Or, or a demographic. Um, a couple of great agencies in the past few years decided millennials were a good idea. Uh, I'm not sure if that is quite the case today, but it certainly was five, six years ago to, to own that category. Part of it is sort of planting the flag and saying, this is what we do, and it's differentiating yourself in the space from all of the sort of me too, I'm a full stack digital agency. But how do you really push yourself out there and truly differentiate yourself? Because even nowadays, a lot of those spaces, like if you're saying we're a mobile agency, there's a lot of those now. So how do you take it the next step and really stand out? Well, you the next, the next step is very clearly how you message your brand position. So um, let me, I'm going to, Without having pre-thought this, I'm, let, let's see if I can help. Let's say you're a mobile agency and you come to me and say, uh, okay, we're a mobile agency, but, but how, how, do we tell, how do we tell clients that, that, that we're better at it than others? Um, you could develop a thought leadership program, which is simply dedicated to addressing every pain point and fear that any mobile advertiser has. And believe me, you could probably come up with 20 you know, over two beers very easily, right? And just say that basically the way we're going to differentiate ourselves is by making sure that we address every pain point that a potential client has, right? And that leads you to hopefully developing the kinds of insights into a um, skill set or category that a client can't ignore. Now, having known, you know, 
a thousand clients in my career, um, uh, more than 50% will ignore it because frankly, they don't get it. But of the 50% that won't, that will pay attention and they're the ones that you want as your client, um, addressing their pain points, this is sales 101, but addressing their pain points with key insights that make them go, aha, is brilliant. And is this something that you're recommending agencies do one-on-one, that they, they overcome these, not objections, but they address the pain points early on? Is this something you should be doing publicly on, on blogs and speaking? How do you recommend that once they've identified these pain points, how do they get the market to realize that they have the answers? Well, it's clearly different strokes for different folks. Then it really goes back to your business plan. Um, who do I want to work for? Um, where do they live? What what kind of budget do I need? You know, define the kind of client that you should have. And that can be anywhere from local businesses that need a better website uh, to regional businesses that need SEO. I mean, you just go down the list. Uh, so without really uh, figuring out who your target market is and what their persona is, sort of imagine this person, imagine this client as a person, you know, what are they thinking? What do they look like? Um, without doing that, it's very difficult to do a plan. The, the issue with business development today, which is both an issue and opportunity, is the amount of the number of marketing tools that you can use is virtually endless. And uh, when I work with agencies sometimes, and in particular, maybe even a digital agency, I'll say, why don't you go full on analog? Uh, so instead of writing a book, which I recommend, um, most, most, unfortunately, most agencies are really not going to sit down and write a book. Why don't you write a zine? Uh, why don't you be counterintuitive? So yes, you can do blogging and you can do guest blogging and you can write on LinkedIn and then you can amplify everything across all of social media. But why don't you do something or think about doing something that stands out? And why not a one sheet, broadsheet, newspaper, uh, paper, uh, you know, newspaper um, uh, material and send that to people and say, okay, here are the here are the issues in digital marketing today and how we address it. I mean, I, I understand all the dish, dish, uh, sorry, the digital tools, but in many cases, digital tools are invisible. Sending something, somebody a piece of paper is both counterintuitive and hard to ignore. That's very true. And it's like, especially in like the digital marketing space, those channels, the digital channels, they're saturated with this material, so it's really, really hard to stand out. And so I was looking over at your site, and I saw you talked about a project you did with Citrus back, it looks like uh, in 2010 or so, and it was called the Gadger, the Gather Project, where you did a review of healthcare social media. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Well, I love talking about this particular project for two reasons. One is because I stole the idea, <laughs> which I highly recommend uh, I highly recommend theft um, uh, uh, as, <laughs> as, as long as you – I'm just going to clip uh, out that soundbite and just blast that one out yeah, No, no. I, 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 <laughs> look, I mean if somebody can point me to a brand-new idea, congratulations. I mean there are very, very few brand-new ideas. Um, I found this company called L2, so the, the letter L uh, and the number two that's based in New York. Uh, and I found them very early in their life. They were a group coming out of NYU's Stern School. And they did. They wanted to become a leading expert in the luxury marketing um, category. And when I say leading expert, essentially a research and strategy firm, right? Uh, they don't produce creative solutions. They're a strategy firm. And I saw that they did this report uh, on the luxury marketplace where they compared the use of social media across a range of really high caliber luxury 
companies. So imagine Gucci and Fendi, for example. And they, they looked at Gucci and Fendi and compared them. How many tweets did they have? How many followers on LinkedIn, et cetera, right? And then they, then they delivered their take on this and how many uh, luxury marketing companies were failing at social media. Well, I said, I, I get it. If, if you say to a market segment like luxury, you're failing and he's winning, you get their attention immediately. I mean, it doesn't take very long. Every, everybody goes, wow, I have to read this. So I did the same thing for the healthcare category. Essentially copied them, did it our own way, and um, it ultimately resulted in our getting the attention and winning business from two of the largest hospital groups on the West Coast in, in the United States. So what we did was we gave them information they couldn't ignore. We, we gave them aha insights, and all we did was assign an intern to essentially create spreadsheets, how many tweets, how many likes, et cetera, across a spectrum of that kind of information, then applied our strategic thinking to it. We actually wrote words and sent it to these, uh, sent it to um, healthcare um, marketers and everyone read it, right? We sent it in a way that we could track. So, um, Was it just like this, FedEx? You just shipped it out? We did hard copy and digital. Okay. I think if I'm trying to remember, we teased it with digital. Mm-hmm. One like pet area that really interests me is direct mail and that sort of thing. But having the competitor analysis in it, it just seems so much more powerful than just saying, here's how you can improve. Because when you then say, here's how you can improve, and here's how your competitors are already ahead of you doing this, that's going to light the fire on them. That actually is going to motivate them to act. Right. Well, it's uh, I, I use dating a lot as a metaphor for in, in business development, and um, it, you know we all know that one of the ways that you get uh, somebody's attention is for them to think that someone else likes you. So it's sort of getting in that world where you're generating the kind of information that can't be ignored, right? And uh, when the information can't be ignored people will pay attention to you. I've, I've written about somewhere deep in my maybe five, six, ten blog posts into my into my website. Uh, I have a presentation I gave to a group of Omnicom agencies. The presentation is called um, How to Become an Unignorable Advertising Agency. And so advertising, I'm using advertising as a generic term. And how do you become unignorable? Well, one way is to uh, deliver information that can't be ignored. I mean, that's one of the ways. There are others. So, um, you know, frankly, one way is just to be funny. Well, we're also serious in this business. You know, you can, what if you had a sense of humor? Uh, that's another story. But, you know, not, all, not everyone can pull that off. But it can be done. So it's really thinking about how are you going to capture the attention of these people and get them to, to look at what you've got and say, my God, I have to talk to this agency. Hmm. Once they have had that aha moment, what next? Do you call them? Do you have them call you? Or where do you tie it all together? Well, you know, call, uh, I, you, we, could, we could do an hour on, on uh, <laughs> the unfortunate world of the telephone. Um, what you then do is you make contact. I mean, you just have to follow through and you have to figure out how are you going to reach them. Um, so when I talk about telephone, nobody answers their phone anymore. It goes to voicemail. So there are, you know, standard sales techniques for how do you deal with voicemail? Well, one is you don't call them in the middle of the day. You call them in the morning. Maybe they're there. You, you want, you try to be their first voicemail in the morning, right? When they get to the office, you're short and sweet. You say, I sent to this thing. Um, let's say they're Gucci. I sent you this thing that said that Ralph Lauren is beating you. I'd just like to talk to you about it. Something like that. Um, you know, lots of techniques. There are, you know, dozens of 
people on the on the internet that are going to tell you how to do a phone call. A uh, phone call is one way. Email is another. Do people read their email from somebody they don't know? Who knows? I mean, now now we're in the land of subject line. Um, send them something in the mail. Send them half of the report. Uh, and you know, bottom line, if if they don't want to talk to you, they don't want to talk to you. Um, we also know, you know, rules of thumb and sales, you have to make, I, I don't know what the number is anymore, four to seven contacts before somebody pays attention. That actually does work. I mean, you know, we, we all get hit up by people multiple times. And at some point you go, all right, let me, I'll just listen to this person, right? So you better prepare, be prepared when you get them on the phone to have your act together. Cause you're going to get one, you know, it's like you get up, it's like baseball. You only have one swing. You strike, can strike out with one swing. So it's really being organized, even having a script. I go back to, again, my dating metaphor. When I was in high school and I would call a, a girl up for a date, I had a script. <laughs> Hi, I'm Peter. I met you at the you know, whatever. You know, you said you liked the Yankees. Uh, who knows what the script was? No, but, but it's, it's, it's having a that, exactly. And having that is so much better than just winging it. Yes. I mean, the really, un, uh, you know, the unfortunate part of business development is that it's it's really easy. <laughs> what do you mean? Um, it's really easy. Now, what's the unfortunate part? But most people don't do the easy. Okay. They don't even do the easy stuff, uh, which is, you know, being organized. And when, when you get somebody on the phone, know exactly what you're going to say to them. Mm-hmm. Right. If you put all this effort into getting them on the phone, you should probably spend – a few minutes preparing what you're going to say and rehearsing and getting ready for it so you don't blow the chance. Yes. And if you – let me go back to the beginning. If, if you're a specialist, so if you're a healthcare specialist or if you're a mobile specialist, that script is reusable. You're not inventing the wheel every time. Um, if you're a website developer specialist, uh, and it, it really doesn't matter necessarily if you're talking to a florist or a lawyer or a group of doctors – um, the essence of what makes a, a positive web experience these days uh, is universal. So your sales pitch to these guys, again, will be scripted and will be very organized. You might branch out a little bit, um, but it is critical. So um, organization process is, is, is once you've decided I, I know what my business is, now it really is a process uh, problem. Interesting. And one thing I also saw you mention when we talk about the process, when we talk about all the steps that fit into this business plan, this business development plan, was you talked a lot about putting together a business development calendar to make sure that you actually follow up, make sure that you do it. Can you talk a little to that? Well, I, I don't I don't know any way um, that a business with multiple employees, anywhere from you know three up, can be organized without having some calendar that says uh, our, our monthly email goes out on Tuesday uh, or, or this is the blog post we're going to write about this particular problem that our market has. You know, just being so organized that you, you open up the calendar and say, okay, this is due. Uh, one thing I always say to agencies is you have to treat yourself in the same way you treat your clients. Um, you're on your list of clients. You have job numbers. You have assignments. People cannot say, oh, I can't get to that, you know, because that's the standard uh, unfortunate BS in the agency world. Uh, the last thing that everyone's going to do is their own business development. Well, it might be the last thing they do because there may not be an agency. I mean, you really, you know, so you have to be hungry and worried. And, and the best way to manage that is to have it on a calendar. 
And, and I'm not saying anything everybody doesn't know, but if you don't run a consistent business development program, uh, you will not win. It's that simple. No, and I think a lot of it goes back to what you're talking about, about how things are, are simple and about the power of organizations. These ideas aren't necessarily anything new, but it's those little details that can get lost in how hectic it can be to run an agency. And so if you don't set aside time where you need your your own client, if you don't set aside that time, it's really easy to put these things aside. And then, like you said, one day you might not be able to keep the lights on. Well, that's it. I think people have to be a little nervous about this. Um, you know, there, and there's nothing wrong with being nervous, frankly. Um, uh, you know, I'm sure there are all sorts of wonderful quotes that indicate um, the value of fear. Um, but you know, that, that that's the reality: is that um, um, uh, without fear, um, in many cases, you're just not going to act. I, I wrote a book a couple of years ago called uh, "Buy This Book, Win More Pitches," um, a title I happen to love. Um, and I, I, uh, the book came out of a, something I had read uh, where – and I'm going to – let me just quote this. Approximately half of advertising professionals surveyed by, by Provoke Insights say that they are dissatisfied with their current internal approach to pitching. Okay, So half of the people in agencies are unhappy about the whole pitch process. And, 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 and to me, I don't know how a company can win the game if half of, half of everybody is unsatisfied with the process. So um, that, that got me. I said, well, I know what the process is, so I wrote a book. The bottom line is you don't have to overcomplicate this. And in fact, I suggest simplify it, but have some process. All right. And, and any company that makes a good living in the digital space has a process for how to manage a client. So just pretend you're a client, too. Right. And it's, it's funny because it's probably not good for the longevity of this show. But I often say is that like at a certain point, if you do enough study, if you do enough research on like best practices, this and that, it's like how things work. You don't need more. You need to just do it. You need to put something in place and follow it. Even if it's not perfect, having something that's good enough is going to get you much farther than just not having anything at all. Yes. Well, it's like waiting. Um, you know, if you sit there waiting for your phone to ring, you can wait a very long time. Um, and, you know, this idea of many agencies saying uh, we get our new business from referrals and word of mouth. Well, yes, and I w- I'm going to say that that is the absolute best way to get to win new business. If somebody says, you should talk to my friend, he can help you, is great. But for most agencies, the problem with referrals and, and word of mouth is that that's the default. So when they say that's how we get business, it, it, one of the reasons is that's the, that's the only way you get new business. You don't do anything else. So if you're sitting there waiting for people to invite you on a blind date, um, that'll be the only way that you ever get a date. So I'm suggesting get out of your chair, and I don't know what works these days. Uh, you know, I, obviously, <laughs> if we're talking to digital people, they've got their finger on there. Right now, while they're listening, they're do- using Tinder, I would imagine, trying to figure out you know, how they're going to you know, do whatever they're going to do later in the day. Um, but you have to get out of your chair and go to the bar if you want to meet mm-hmm. people. Right. And it's the same thing. It's like these big agencies who have successful new business plans, it's not as though they don't get referrals too. It's they don't depend on just referrals. That's not the only action because if a blind date comes in, great. But like you said, you can't just sit there and wait. Why not be proactive? Why not actually do something about it? So many agencies, especially when they're just starting out, when it's just a team of a few people and they're almost more busy than they they can 
find the time to work. They're putting in the 60, 70, 80 hour weeks. They don't have the time to do something. It's like, do you think there's a point where it's okay to just rely on referrals? And like, should they get to a certain size before they really get serious about creating this business development plan? Or what would you say is a good starting point? Well, um, let me let me say that if your phone is ringing, that's good. Okay, so that's that's the first thing. The phone is ringing. Then you have to ask yourself the very important question: Are the people on the other line when they're calling me up and asking me to work with them? Are they the clients I want to work with? So what you're doing, unfortunately, in that situation, in many cases, is that you're giving up your ability to reach the kinds of clients that you want to reach. I mean, we all know, you know, every I, I hear this all the time. Agencies say, you know, I'm getting a lot of calls, but I'm they're not qualified leads. All right. Um, well, that's that's a problem. And that happens for a couple of reasons. One, you may not be very clear on your website or in your marketing uh, as to kind of hint at the kind of client that you want. Um, you know, I, I, did, I always liked it when I, my phone rang when I ran the agency Citrus and somebody says, hi, I'd like to talk to you. And um, they said, you know, we're probably too small for you. All right. Uh, so at least they un- started to understand it at the beginning. Uh, my, m- one of my favorite calls was somebody says, I know we're too small to work with you, but I've just been looking at your work and it's brilliant. And I said, okay, let's talk. Right. Because <laughs> you know, yeah. I said, because one of the things you want are clients that actually respect what you do for a living. That, but that's, you know, if, if all that's happening is, is you're getting incoming, it, you have to ask yourself, is, this the in, is it coming from the kinds of clients that I really and truly want? And if that's not the case, then you have to be much more proactive than just just answering the phone. Yeah, it reminds me of a concept in finance where it's, it's called negative selection. Like if you're a market maker, if you're putting out the offer, you take whoever's coming to you. You don't get to do the terms. You don't get to do all you was Whatever comes in is what you get. And if you're just being passively the agency that's existing that's waiting for people to come to them, it's a very similar thing where – you don't have that much control over who is coming to you. And if they're not the right people, if they're the needy clients who, who call you at all hours of the day and who don't pay that well, they don't pay on time, those types of things, like you need to find a way to get to the people you really want to be working with. Yes. And, and that is both in your uh, inbound as an attractor strategy and outbound as really being more of an aggressor hunter. It's interesting. I, one of the questions I ask agencies when I start working with them is, you know, name a few agencies that you respect. And I, uh, I would say in easily 50 percent of the cases, people will say to me, Droga 5, which is a so D-R-O-G-A number five, which is a uh, award winning, big snazzy cool agency in new york and um their phone rings but i guarantee you most of the time it's it's rung by the kinds of clients they want because when you go to their website and you look at their client list and you kind of get the vibe um you'll you'll self-select yourself uh, either to say i'm the kind of client they want or i'm not um, and so, so that's an agency that is getting probably most of its business as incoming from consultants, from search consultants or from clients. Uh, and I bet most of those people are self-selecting and just saying, hmm, I'm, I'm too little or I'm not, I'm, I don't have enough money to call these guys up. That's interesting. And so I'm curious because I know you work with a lot of agencies on problems like this, on coming up with business development plans in any of these other issues. So I'm curious, how do you typically help agencies navigate this whole process? 
I have two ways I work with agencies now. Uh, I started out uh, and, and realized this is a business for me. So I'm, you know, I'm very, I treat this the same way I worked, I treated my agency. Um, I have a little micro, I don't look at it very much anymore. But when I started, I had a, I had a business development plan, one page. I mean, it, a business plan, sorry, one page, which led to, uh, uh, you know, my take on a business development plan for myself, which by the way, is a hundred percent inbound. I don't really, I don't, call anybody up it just people find me which is good which means that frankly i know what i'm doing which okay um but it's but essentially i have two things i do with agencies one is a full-blown marketing plan for the agency which comes out of discovery and so forth and um and then my analysis of who they are today who they could be um sometimes i say you're doing everything right sometimes not uh, the next part of that is really understanding the messaging because you can say I'm a mobile agency, but then how are you going to express that to people? And that's, you know, that's the art of advertising, frankly, and marketing is how do I say it in such a way that um, I'm going to get noticed, that's going to grab their attention. Uh, then I discuss the world of inbound marketing and the world of outbound marketing. And then I do something which I think is uh, highly critical, which is to try to distill all of that into a two-phase plan for agencies because there's no way they're going to do everything at once. It just can't happen. I don't care if you're 250 people. It's just not going to happen. Um, so it's really using my history of owning an agency and, and working in, in the industry for 30 years, uh, you know, only recommending things that I think people will actually do. Mm -hmm. When you say you split it into a two-phase plan, is it sort of creating a list and cutting it in half or are there reasons why things are in one phase versus the other? Uh, one is that you'll actually get it done in six months because frankly, it's really important to feel like you're moving the ball down the field. Otherwise, people get frustrated and they're not happy. Uh, so one is like biting off what you can chew, right? So that, that's important. Um, uh, the second is starting to learn from what you're doing. I mean, the, the, the fact is, um, it, as you start approaching phase two, you may say, well, you know, LinkedIn is working really well, but Facebook isn't. And by the way, Facebook advertising is very interesting. I, it's, it, it amazes me how uh, that Facebook as a B2B marketing tool is not used more, but that's mm -hmm. what makes well, yeah, that could be opened up an entire new wormhole, but there are people killing it in the B2B space on Facebook, despite all the articles saying Facebook advertising is dead for business and all of that, like people are doing very, very well. I don't have a very active Facebook page for my business. Uh, and I really only use it as an advertising tool. So I happen to put today, I said, okay, it's December 1st, I should sell more books this month. It's a good Christmas gift. You know, your, your friend owns an agency, here's a book on pitching. And uh, so I just for 50 bucks and boosting a post I just put up on Facebook. Now, I, I, we'll see how well that works. Will it pay for itself? I don't know. Uh, it, it's, but it, it's yet another thing that gets my, my name out. And what works here is that I'm basically targeting CEOs of companies in certain cities uh, where they have advertising in their uh, profile. Now, you know, it's direct marketing. Right. And, and that's the thing is one of the great things about the book is that one, you could maybe it'll, it'll break even or turn a profit on just selling the book. But the book is part of a bigger funnel. Like you don't want someone to just buy the book and never talk to you again. You're hoping that some percent of the people that buy the book come to you for help for uh, at a much higher cost and much higher margin service. Is that accurate? Uh, absolutely. You know, the book is an evergreen now. Um, uh, in fact, I've written about 
agencies writing books. I gave I gave a talk at the Inbound Conference, uh, HubSpot's in, Inbound Conference, a couple of years about that. And um, there are multiple objectives for writing a book, and it, it doesn't have to be a huge book. And as I said earlier, it, you know, when I say write, it could be a uh, a one sheet kind of cool zine. I mean, it you know doesn't have to be a book book. But I wrote this book. It's I forget how many words it is. Eighty thousand words. It's a bunch of chapters. I have taken and uh, repurposed much of the information in the book. I've put it online. I've get, used it for guest posts. I've used it on my website. I have amplified what's in the book. And what happens is people buy the book. And a year later, I get an, an email that says, "You know, I read my, your book last year. I'm ready now. I need some help. My agency needs some help." So I've sold a, a few thousand of these books. It doesn't make me a lot of money. No, it, you know the way Amazon, and I'm 100% on Amazon. The way Amazon works is they make the money. Uh, you may have you may have noticed a rather, rather valuable company, but for me, it's a marketing tool. It's not a way to make money. I mean, the book's paid for itself easily, but uh, it's a it, it's paid for itself much more in terms of my getting business from from clients. I'm going to stop Peter right there for a quick word from a sponsor, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The Agency Advantage podcast is brought to you by Hubstaff. Hubstaff makes time tracking software for remote teams so that you can stop tracking time with spreadsheets or whatever else your team decided to use that week and start getting the insights you need that can only come from having accurate data all in one place. Our best clients are agency owners, and while they love the accountability that comes with it, it's sort of like Upwork but without the crazy fees, where they really find the value is by being able to connect Hubstaff with their project management tool to see how much time it really takes to deliver each part of a project. Think of it as Google Analytics for your team. I've been absolutely blown away by how many times an agency owner has come up to me and said, Andy, we started using Hubstaff a month ago, and after looking over the data, we realized we've actually been losing money on one of our most popular services. If you don't know what your real profit was in your last project, then you'd need to try Hubstaff out. To say thanks for tuning into the show, Hubstaff is offering all of our listeners a 30% discount on all of our plans. All you need to do is head over to try.hubstaff.com forward slash podcast and use the coupon code advantage that's try.hubstaff.com forward slash podcast and coupon code advantage all right let's get back to peter when did you first write the book i forget 2014 okay and so once you wrote the book and you got it out there what was the process like to really leverage that asset was it sort of just put it up on amazon and see what happens or was it more active than that well, I did a few things. One, um, I, I can't tell you how many interviews I have in the book, but I've got a bunch. So a good third of the book are interviews with other people. Um, and what's great about that is I got to interview people from the four A's, from, from a couple of um, agency networks. Uh, I interviewed uh, agency search consultants. I interviewed negotiation specialists. I, you know, also lawyers. So I got, I, I have interviews from experts that perform multiple functions. One, they offer good content and a lot of content for the book. So it's a great way to beef up your book. That's one. Two, um, I could take that interview and repurpose it as a blog post. And three, importantly, each of those interviewees are now friends of mine. So they amplified the marketing of the book as well. So it's, it's very symbiotic, right? Everybody wins. That makes me immediately think of podcasting because that's one of the most powerful tools of having a podcast is 
it creates great content from an expert and it gives you because so much of the content out there it sucks it's just not that good no one wants to read it no one wants to just read another generic 500 words on something that they don't care about and so when you're able to interview experts you're able to get content that might not even be out there yet. It might not be out there in written form, in audio, wherever. And you can get awesome content that people actually want to consume. But the other impact of that is you're building a, a network of really great, smart people in your industry or in like related industries. And it's just so powerful having that. And I, I hadn't thought of that from a book perspective, but it's the same exact thing. Well, you... Um uh, you know, at some point in time when you have what's, I don't know, the magic number, 20, 30 podcasts, interviews, um, those can all be converted to text. I use a company called Rev. Yep, that's um, what we use as well. Okay, great. So, you know, that immediately, turn, I mean, overnight turns it into text. That's a book. I mean, so so now uh, you've got a podcast, which people can listen to. You've got um, text that people can read. You've got a, all of a sudden now you've got a book that you can put up on Amazon or it's a book that you can send to people. You know, when I said earlier, um, using something physical to send people instead of something digital, um, a book, you know, all of a sudden you're an expert. If you, if you quote in a book, you're an expert. And in your case, I mean, you're, as you're sitting in your pajamas interviewing me, I'm giving you all this free content that you can put into your book. It blows my mind that more people don't do it, that don't take advantage of opportunities like this. And it's something that it's just once you see the power of it, it's hard not to get excited by it. Are you experimenting with any other forms of content? Are you thinking about any other books? Or is there any other thing like in the pipeline for you in this general <laughs> field? Uh, not in this business. My, the, the first book I wrote was a book called Boomer Side, as in baby boomer. Boomer Side from Woodstock to Suicide. A uh, very strange book. It was my sort of, uh, I want to see if I can write a book book about uh, using suicide as a financial planning tool. So uh, I've, I've been thinking of actually rewriting that book. Now that that's just I have to decide why am I even bothering. So uh, I'll use that as a segue to if you, if you want, think about writing a book, you really have to sit down and have a plan for it as well. Um, why am I writing it? Who am I writing it for? What am I going to say that's different from every other schmuck that's written everything already about marketing because it's endless? And, and, you know, what's my attitude and so forth? Um, and then how am I going to amplify it? So, again, I wrote a book which gave me content, which I put on my blog, I put on a guest blog, I put it on LinkedIn, I put it on Twitter, I put it here, and you know, I, I managed to amplify it greatly. Uh, plus, I made all these friends. Plus, it gave me something physical to send people. So, uh, you know, would I write, write another book? Maybe, although um, I'm not sure I have to at this point. Again, when I did this three years ago, um, it was part of my business development program. I'm, I'm happy with the amount of incoming I get, I get now. So I, I, I don't need to write another book. That's interesting. So it's like you're already at the – you're not already, but you're at the point where the efforts are, are paying dividends and you have so much content out there from the book, from all the other things you've done, from the talks, from all of this that really have just continued to drive it. Right now, like on your blog, are you you're regularly publishing things? Is that – is that the main outlet for you? Are you writing new articles or, or how does that work? Well, it's interesting. I, uh, about two or three weeks ago, I had a sense that my incoming leads were drying up. So I said, well, that's interesting. All right, and I've experienced this before. I'm, you know, things, they come and go. And whenever I usually say, oh, no, nobody loves me anymore, I, all of a sudden, you know, the, the email starts happening. Uh, but I, I decided I would do 
uh, follow my best practices. And um, I did a few things in respect to inbound marketing. So in fact, I've written about it. I put it up as a blog post. Inbound marketing works, which by the way is a good, is a very nice uh, SEO oriented headline. But inbound marketing works, and um, I just talk about what I what I did to amplify things that I've already done, which by the way got the, I can't directly attribute what's happened in the past two weeks of that, but all of a sudden I'm, I'm getting qualified leads. So more so than I had three weeks ago. Uh, and I, you know, you never know why these things happen, but you better be in a position to at least say to yourself, I'm being proactive. If you're sitting there and nothing's happening and, and um, you're uh, wondering why nothing's happening, then you're really in a bad spot. I mean, it, at least, at least make yourself feel like you're doing the right thing. Right. You can sit and wait for the phone to ring all day or you can just pick it up and call somebody. Yeah, exactly. The way I want to wrap things up before before asking listeners where they can go to hear more and all of that, I just have a few quick questions to ask. Is that cool? Sure. Awesome. So the first one is, what do you think you spend too much time doing day to day? I sometimes will read things that are not adding to uh, – are not valuable. Um, it's so easy in our world – to read five to 750, a thousand words before you realize that, you know, I'm not getting any meat out of this subject. So I think that, I think there's, unfortunately, there's so much content that unless you're an excellent curator, uh, you can waste time. And, and I do find sometimes I'm just wasting my time. I also do the stupid thing, you know, like we all do, which is, you remember that word, surfing the internet. Um, so, you know, you really have to put your ADD uh, stuff on the shelf and, and get focused. No, that I mean that's I think someone something that I can personally relate a lot to, and I know it's just a huge problem with getting distracted, just getting sucked into this hole, and you're like, wait, what did I? Why am I even doing this? <laughs> right, right. But so, what do you think you don't spend enough time doing? Um, I think really sitting down and taking stock again of what is working and what isn't. Uh, you know, really spending that half an hour looking at my Google Analytics. Uh, with a search engine marketing hat on uh, or sitting down and thinking about what are the next five blog posts I should write. You know, it's really just going through the process myself. So I preach process and sometimes I get lost and don't. Now I'm one person working for myself. So it's very easy for me to wake up in the morning and say, you know what, this is an interesting subject. I'll write about it. It's harder if you're a group of people, three, five, 25, 35 people, um, you really have to be organized about what are the things that you should be writing about and, and stick to it. And that goes back to that calendar. The last one I just want to ask is, as we're ending the year 2016, what do you have in mind? What do you hope to accomplish in the next year? Well, I'm going <laughs> to, I just keep the ball rolling. I mean, I'm in, I, I'm in a nice stage of life and, and a, uh, I've got a business that just keeps rolling. But uh, one of the things that I've written about lately, and I, especially since you've got a digital uh, group out there, is uh, something that's happening big time. And I, it's just happening because Facebook's into it and Google's into it, et cetera, uh, is the world of bots, uh, chatbots. And this is a huge growth area for uh, agencies. Uh, and what's nice about, uh, about chatbots, uh, and there are many things nice about it, one is 
that the platforms have been developed by the big boys, uh, so whether whether it's Microsoft, Facebook, or Google, and uh, all the artificial intelligence at this point has been developed, so you can take advantage of ex- pre-existing platforms. A skill set that agencies have most is that they understand how to talk to consumers, uh, and that's not a technology solution. That's that's a really a human communication issue. So here's another here's another world like apps. Uh, you know, t- 10 years ago or so, apps materialized. And one day Google said, okay, you know, uh, here, here's a tool to make apps and ditto for Apple. The, a lot of agencies ran, uh, uh, sort of ran with the app thing for a number of years. I don't know if it's still hot anymore. I think we probably OD'd on apps at this point. The next big thing is chatbots. Some smart agencies are going to be able to say to clients, um, gee, we can create a actual conversation with your consumer, uh, automatic computer to, to human conversation. I think it's a real growth opportunity. And, and worst case, the client doesn't buy it. At least you found something to have a conversation about. That's really cool. And so I'll make sure to link up the article. Where I, I found that article where you were talking about that. But are there any other resources where people can hear about kind of what's going on with chatbots if they're not familiar with it at all? Well, I wrote something. I wrote a pretty good article for um, HubSpot. So if you search on chatbots on HubSpot, it's an, it was an article directed to the advertising agency community. Uh, and then the other is uh, VentureBeat is doing a very good job of tracking the market. Their editors are really into chatbots. And um, uh, they came to me and a couple of my partners in our old business, uh, Active Buddy. They came to us about six months ago, found us, and said, we're really going to hammer this. We think this is hot. So I, I recommend people read uh, Vent- uh, VentureBeat. Awesome. I'll make sure to get all of that linked up in the show notes because that's something that, honestly, I haven't even begun to think about. But it excites me just hearing the passion in your voice about it. So I'm definitely going to check that out and I hope listeners do as well. So, Peter, for listeners who are excited about what you've talked about and for listeners who have appreciated the insights you've given into business development plans and just business plans in general, where can they go to learn more about what you do, how you can help and just hear your thoughts? Well, I try to keep it simple. Uh, my name is Peter Levitan, L-E-V-I-T-A-N, and that is my URL. So, uh, PeterLevitan.com. Everything you ever want to know about me is right there. Awesome. Well, that was very simple, very straight to the point, and I'll make sure to also get that linked up in the show notes. But, Peter, I just want to say thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciated the time. Thank you, Andy, and I look forward to your book uh, <laughs> of, of your uh, uh, podcast. Yeah, maybe I'll get you in there, I think. We'll see. Peter hit the nail on the head when he said that none of this stuff is complicated. You just need to consistently do it. It isn't good enough to keep your business plan locked up in your head. You need to actually get it down on paper so you can test your assumptions and constantly approve it. Your business plan is the foundation for your agency. And while you may be able to get away without having one for now, ultimately you're building a house on sand. Once you have your business plan, and again, it doesn't need to be anything complicated, then you can be deliberate about how you seek out new clients. And yes, you do need to actively seek out clients. Otherwise, you can just sit around and wait for the phone to ring for a very long time. By having a clear plan for your agency and knowing who you're selling to and what you're going to sell them, you can then create the kind of information that can't be ignored. If you're a generic digital agency that does anything and everything for anybody and everybody, you simply can't create content that's going to stand out from the crowd. Peter did this himself by writing what is now the seminal book on agency business development. And honestly, I wish I had another hour to talk to him just about the book and why that was such an important process to him. But regardless, you don't need to write an entire book. 
But if you want to put yourself in a position where you can proactively generate new business for your agency, then you do need to do something. And that all starts with your business plan. That's all I have for you this week. If you enjoyed the show and learned something, head over to iTunes and leave a review. Tell me what it was that you learned. I love hearing from listeners and positive reviews really help us grow our audience. So if you could take a second to do that, I'd really appreciate it. All right. I'll talk to you next week. See ya.